Well, you can't tell I'm a good speaker. I'm about to speak, so you're about to blow that one, man. Sorry. Good morning. God bless you. I can't tell you how excited I am to be here and uh, met your pastor uh, over 10 years ago. And it's been exciting to see what God's doing in this church, to see a church that's been here for, for four decades and yet is still vibrant, still passionate, still reaching out, still willing to take great risks like moving to the movie theater and saying whatever it's going to take for us to reach our community, we're going to do it. And so I'm excited to be with you. I know that I'm amongst people who love Jesus. I know I'm amongst people with some roots and some deep faith. And uh, like like Pastor Lucas said, I'm at Melrose Park in Montclair. New Life is a multi-site church and me and my wife Nancy are able to serve at two of them. And uh, it's a really exciting story, but but we're a church that had... um, at New Life Melrose, there's over seven decades of history, and then we merged together, and we said, let's keep you know, reaching our community for Jesus. There, there's souls here who need to be saved. Let, let's do it together. So we did that in 2001, and then in 2007, we had the joy to partner with Montclair Baptist Church and start New Life Montclair, which, was, which has nine decades of history. And so it's, just, it's good to know that there's churches who have deep, deep roots who go way, way back, but still have a vibrant passionate love for reaching our neighborhood, and I'm glad to be a part of that with you this morning. I'm in, that right, in the right place, right? Amen. All right, good, good. Well, I've been praying for you, and, uh, and I've been following along with Pastor Lucas as you guys have been on this journey, and uh, so it's very exciting to actually have the opportunity to share with you this morning. And as I've been praying for you, I've been thinking and praying, and even, even here worshiping with you this morning was a, a joy. Thank you uh, to our team, to Mike and the team. I just really appreciate the way you led us. I'm thinking, what does Jesus see when he looks right into your heart? You, you know, and you, and you, and you. The things that you're going through, the difficulties that you're facing. What, what, is, he, what is he watching unfold in your life? I realize that in a room this size, this many people, there's all kinds of things going on in our lives. And today we're going to be talking about how do you deal with difficulty. And I'm using difficulty as a, as a generic word to cover all kinds of trials and problems and sufferings and hardships. The stuff we wish we could change. And since Jesus looks into your heart today, maybe you're 17, maybe you're 77, maybe you're 14, maybe you're 44... He's looking at you. He's looking right, right at what you're going through, right at the difficulties that you're facing in your life at this time, the things that aren't easy for you. So let me ask you this question. What is it about you that you wish you could change? What is it about your life that is hard and difficult and you wish it was not there? Now, don't tell anybody what it is. Don't nudge anybody and tell them what, that it's them Okay, if you're sitting next to that difficult person. Um, but as you think through that, I, I'm comforted to know that Jesus knows exactly what that thing is or those things. And in a room this size, with this big of an age difference, there's all different ranges of difficulties, right? Some of us are dealing with the difficulties of, of, uh, uh, of diseases and things that are happening to our bodies. And we're saying, I wish this wasn't really the way things are. Or, or we've lost people that we thought would be there forever. Or we're, we're going through relational trials. Or maybe financial things. You know, maybe we're, we're facing bankruptcy or foreclosure. Or things are so tight we wish it wasn't that way. Or, or maybe uh, you know, you're going through a relationship that you, you thought, you know, I thought this, was gonna, this person was going to be there for me and they're not. What difficulties are you facing right now? And how... Are you dealing with those difficulties? 
As I've been praying for you, I want you to know that my passion, my heartbeat, and my, per my personal mission statement, do you have one of those? Do you have a personal mission statement, the reason why you're here, what you're doing, have you figured that out, thought through it a little bit? I guess it changes from time to time, but it's good to have a, an idea of what you're doing when you wake up in the morning, right? Mine is to love people into their potential. So what I've been praying is that our time together, brief as it might be, might in some way love you a little bit closer to your potential in Jesus Christ. There is a, a fullness that He imagined when He decided to make you. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? He dreamed something for you and something for me. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, when He was bleeding his, and, and breathing His last breath, there was something He had in mind for us. For each one of us. That excites me. That, that, that pumps me up. That's what gets me going to think that in some way I can be a part of, of helping people a little bit, maybe one step closer into who that person is. And I'm excited to be on that journey. Are you? Yes. Okay, I come from a place where they talk back to me. So <laughs> help me out. Help me out. And, and, uh, and feel free to dialogue a little bit here as we get into the Word. Because I know that you are facing some things that are difficult. And you're going to face some things that may be more difficult than you've ever dreamed. And as you face those difficulties, here's my message. It's one sentence. It's real simple. I hope you'll remember it. And I hope I can prove that that's what the Bible says. And I found it in the Bible. So, Difficulties are divine developers. That's it. That's what I want to tell you today. That's what I believe God wants you to hear. Your difficulties are divine developers. Your difficulties are God's developing aspect in your life. So how is it that you can deal with difficulty and not be defeated and discouraged? Because you know that when difficulty comes, it doesn't develop everybody. I heard one pastor say, trials either make you bitter or they make you better. And some of us, our difficulties are not, they don't seem to be developing us. So what is the difference between going through life and dealing with, with the hard things and, and coming away stronger and better or going through those difficult things and coming away bitter and angry and depressed and discouraged and defeated? These difficulties can defeat you or difficulties can develop you. So how can we see our difficulties as divine developers? Well, listen, over and over throughout the scriptures, what we see is that when we are facing our most difficult, dark moments, God is present. He's there. He sees. He knows exactly what you're feeling. He knows how hard it is for you. And He's up to something good. That's what the Bible says. He's up to something good in our lives. That's pretty exciting. That's pretty exciting. So I hope to point through the scriptures how we can see that. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we ask in Jesus' name you would open our ears to hear you, open our eyes to see you, put passion where we're cold, melt the ice of our souls, encourage us, lift us up, pick us up, give us preparation for the things we're going to face tomorrow, give us encouragement for the things we faced yesterday, and empower us for the things we're facing right now, God, and allow us to see our difficulties as your developers. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you turn with me to James chapter 1? James chapter 1. I find it interesting that, the, that, that James starts his book. He basically says, Hi, I'm James. I'm writing this to the people of God that are spread all over the place. Now let's get into it. And the very first thing he says, I mean, he just gets right into it. 
is he starts talking about trials. He starts talking about the difficult things that the people of God are going through. And as you read through the book of James, you, you notice that he's dealing with people who are suffering under oppression, unjustly. He's dealing with people who are suffering under poverty, people who are facing a lot of difficult things. And he's just, he just gets right into it. So you know the people he's talking to must be hurting. Because he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, I don't know how that sits with you, but if you're hurting and somebody says, Consider it pure joy, brother. Sounds a little trite to me. Uh, I remember the first time I read this. I was struggling. It was over 10 years ago. Uh, I was going through a depressing time. My parents had divorced. I was split up. I was going through a depressing time. I was a teenager. I was like probably 19, 20 years old. And, uh, and I said, God, I, I need to hear from you. I need you to speak to me. I need you to tell me something. I, I need you to help me through this because I am struggling with these difficulties. And so I opened up the Bible and I, and I looked and it said, the heading said something about dealing with trials. I said, yes, God hears me. He's going to speak to me. And I started reading the first thing he said was, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And I thought, man, if I could reach through the pages of history and pop uh, James writing his smug mug, I think I would have. I felt so upset that he could just, you know, just God could just look at my difficulties and tell me, consider it pure joy. I mean, it just felt so shallow, so wrong. And so I don't want you to misunderstand me uh, today. Maybe you're going through something that is so difficult, it has changed your life, you've never been the same, and it is, it is so heavy on your heart. I just don't want you to think I'm coming and giving you something real trite uh, and saying, oh, well, God's going to develop you through it, you know. Congratulations. I remember reading that and thinking, well, I'd rather not be developed and not have this problem in my life. Have you ever been there? Say, God, just, I just don't want to feel this way anymore. Have you ever been there? And I felt that way until I finished reading the verse. But what I began to realize is that difficulty itself is God's tool to develop us. So you've been saying, God, I love you. Uh, thank you for the cross. Oh, Jesus, thank you for, for saving me, right? Anybody excited about their salvation? Does it still get you excited? Are you still, you know, happy that you're not going to hell? Happy that your life has turned around? Anybody like that? Yeah. Good, good, yeah, okay. So, so you feel like that, and, and you're saying, oh, God, I want more of you. I, I, want, I want to be everything you've called me to be. You ever been there? And, and then all of a sudden, it starts to get really, really hard. And a lot of you have been believers for many decades, so you remember back to the beginning. Or some of you are there right now, and you're starting to say, I want to live for God. And all of a sudden, you come, and it feels really good, right? Like on a honeymoon. Oh, you know, you're almost high on love with God. It says, oh, I can face anything. It doesn't matter, you know. And then all of a sudden, you come to this fork in the road where you've got to make some real tough decisions. Because it doesn't feel good anymore, right? Remember that? I can think back to some real tough times in my life right in the beginning where, where all of a sudden it didn't feel good anymore. And I decided, am I following Jesus because he makes me feel good? Or am I following him because he's God? And do I trust him that in the long haul, in the big picture, he's working this out for my good like the Bible says? And the Apostle James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. See, difficult times come to us all. He doesn't say, uh, if you happen to uh, stumble upon a hard time, he doesn't say that, right? What does it say? He, he, he doesn't say if, but he says what? Whenever. 
not even when, but whenever, like it's going to be more than one trial, friend. There's going to be these trials in your life. And he says uh, trials of many kinds. That means big trials, little trials, long trials, short trials, public trials that everybody knows about, and private trials that nobody except for you knows about. Maybe you're going through difficulty and you cannot even articulate it. You couldn't even tell somebody how you feel, but you are suffering with this difficulty. There's all kinds, physical kinds, emotional trials, spiritual difficulties, relational difficulties, financial difficulties, vocational difficulties, and joy seems like a strange response. Why would we be joyful? And joy means basically keeping a positive attitude and being joy-filled um, and having this, this mindset in the midst of trial. It seems weird to us. And it might even upset you if you don't realize that at this moment, with this suffering, with this difficulty, God has brought a tool into your life to develop you. Now, there's all kinds of suffering, right? Some are caused by sin. Some, are, some is from our own sin. We did something stupid, and now we're suffering the consequence, right? Some is from somebody else's sin. Things like abuse. How do you ever justify that? You can't. And some of it, God has brought about. Some of it, God is working in your life to bring you to be formed more into the image of Jesus. Whatever it is, whether it's your sin, somebody else's sin, or God at work in your life, what we find out is that God will use every difficulty to develop us. Because difficulties are, what? Divine developers. Tell that to somebody. What did you just say? Difficulties are divine developers. Tell somebody. It, it'll help you. Believe me. Tell somebody. It'll make me feel better. Thank you. Because that's all you need to remember here. Difficulties are divine developers. And joy isn't pretending to be happy. Joy, joy isn't like, you know, I just got fired from work and I can't be upset about it. I got to just smile. I bet that bothers you. Nope. Mm-mm. We had to file bankruptcy. I bet you you're, you're struggling. Nope. Mm-mm. Praise the Lord. But inside you're dying, right? You go through a difficult time. That's not what he's saying. He doesn't say, doesn't say to pretend. It reminds me of... Um, of a man in, in 1835 in Florence, Italy. He went to the doctor. He was sick. He couldn't eat. He couldn't sleep. He was having trouble, difficulty relating with his friends. He went to the doctor. He said, Doc, you got to help me. Doctor checked him out. He said, you're in perfectly good shape. You know what you need? You need to have some fun. There's a, there's a great clown. His name is Grimaldo, Grimaldi. He's the best clown in all of Europe. You need to go see him. He's got people rolling in the aisles laughing day after day. If you go see Grimaldi, he'll cure your, your problems. You just need to have some fun. The man said, no, doc, that's not going to work. He said, why not? He said, I am Grimaldi. <laughs> some of us do that, right? We come here, we smile. How you doing? Good. Praise God. Praise Lord. Praise Lord. Praise God. But, but, it, but it's not coming from, from the heart place. I've been there, you know, I have to check myself often, especially as a pastor, because I'm supposed to be, right? We've got this image out, and we can all struggle with that. We've got to, it's got to come from the inside. It's not pretending, but it's, it's having an outlook. It's an expectation that God is going to use this bad for good, that God loves me. Right now, it doesn't feel like God loves me. Right now, it doesn't feel like God is working in my life. Have you ever been there? You're going to be there again. You're going to be there. But in the midst of it, God wants you to know that this difficulty is His divine developer. He, he's at work in our life. Listen to what Romans 8.28 says. You've heard it. You know it. Listen. And we know. I love that because James also talks about saying, because you know. He says that in the next verse. But here Paul says, and we know that God causes all things to work together 
for the good, for those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. In verse 29, he says, so that they might be conformed into the image of Jesus. Could you imagine difficulty like a chisel and a hammer, and every time it clanks against you and it hurts, God is chipping things away. He's at work in your life, and if you let Him, He'll make you look more and more like Jesus. That's what Romans 8.29 says, that He's at work. He's going to use everything. Everybody else's sin against you. All of your own sin, all of all the things that God is bringing about, all of your difficulties. He says, God causes all things to work together for good. Now that's hope. That's joy. That's what the Bible says, and we say we believe it. But when we face difficulties, our faith is tested. Your faith can't be tested when everything's easy. So what good thing is God developing in us through this trial? What good could possibly come from this devastation, from this loss, from this pain? Well, verse 3, he says, Because you know that the testing, not the resting, the testing of your faith develops what? What does it say? Perseverance. Endurance. What is tested when we face trials of many kinds? What is tested? Our faith. Our faith is tested. So you realize that that our difficulty itself is God's tool to develop us. And when we're going through difficulty, our faith is being tested. Now, I don't know about you, but, but when somebody tells me, by the way, there's going to be a test on this, I perk up a little bit. I say, oh, Okay, I better be on my toes. I better be on my game. Or, or if somebody is, let's say you go in for an interview and the boss is sitting behind the desk and he throws you a weird question or, or something happens that's, that you didn't expect, you might be thrown off by it, but if somebody ahead of time says, by the way, he's going to be testing you. Even when, even when you're not sitting down at the desk, the whole thing is a test. You might look at things differently and realize that, you know what? What I'm going through right now is actually testing my faith. This difficulty that I'm going through is showing my faith for what it really is. Think about that. Think about that. He says, you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. So we know this, but when we're going through it, it's so difficult. It's so hard. Have you thought about the thing you wish you could change? Have you thought about it? Did you name something to yourself? I wish this difficult thing wasn't there in my life. I have a handful of those things. You don't need to compare yourself to anybody else. We've got our own difficulties. I wish this wasn't there. And what we see is that James says, you know, that that very difficult thing that you're dealing with, God could have removed it. You've thought of that, right? God, you're great. You could have changed this. You could have not let her die. You could have not let us lose the house. You could have not let me go through this. You knew that was going to happen. Why didn't you stop it? And he says that these difficulties are going to develop our faith our perseverance, test our faith. It's one, one thing to say we trust God when it's easy, but difficulty tests faith and develops perseverance. And so you say, okay, well, I just don't want to have perseverance then if it's so hard. But see, it's the developed perseverance that's the doorway to lasting change. God isn't just into you being happy right here, right now. He's doing something in you. Yes? Yes, he's got us on a journey that the Bible says that we should look to the author and perfecter of our faith. The one who started it, the one who will finish it. The Bible talks about how God desires us to grow to maturity. 
And, and you know it's cute when a baby wears a diaper and, and shakes a rattle and, and has, a, has a baba. That's cute. But if the baby grows to be 40 years old and still wears a diaper and still shakes a rattle and still has a baba, there's, there's a real problem, right? What about spiritually? What about what you're going through and seeing and realizing God is going to use this, that's what His Word says, to develop me. He is not going to leave me. He's not far, far away. He knows what you're going through. And He could have changed it. Why didn't He change it? Because He's going to use it. That's tough. That's tough to handle when it's really, really personal, right? I told you. I told you. I don't want to come across as trite. And I'm sorry if you're angry with me. I'm just trying to read the Bible with you today. Please hear me. This is what we see throughout Scripture. God will use even the bad, even the broken shards of glass. He's such an amazing artist that He can take all the broken pieces and He can make a masterpiece out of it. The stuff you said, why did this get broken in my life? And He'll pick up those pieces and He'll put them together in such a magnificent way that you'll stand back and say, how could that have ever been a piece of garbage? How could It was so much better than it was before. And also we've got to look with eternal eyes. We'll get to that in a second. So He says that perseverance must finish its work, must have its full effect. He's talking about, um, about you becoming complete. That word complete, he says, uh, perseverance must finish its work so that you may become mature and complete, not lacking anything. That word complete means entire or with integrity. It means that it has all the parts together. So if you could imagine a welder's flame. Has anybody ever welded anything? It's pretty cool, right? You got to get the fire really, really, really hot. If it's not hot enough, it won't, it won't melt together. So what you, you, you do is you take this, this hot fire and you put it there and, and, you, and you put these two pieces of metal together and you heat it up until it gets really, really hot and they begin to fuse together and now the two pieces have become one piece. And do you know that there's things that God wants in your life that He can only fuse into you through the flames of difficulties? He can only bring you to that place through trials. And that's why He hasn't removed them from our life. Even our Lord Jesus had to face these things. And that's the one that we look to. That's the one that we hang on to. That's the one that we turn to. Jesus is our aim. We want to become like Him. And He's also our example. Listen to this. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 2 through 3. He says, Let us fix our eyes on who? On Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the beginner and the finisher of our faith, the one who started it and the one who's going to wrap it up. Who makes men of God? Jesus. Who makes women of God? Jesus. You're not responsible for making yourself a man of God. You're responsible for trusting Jesus in your trial. And He's going to take that flame and He's going to finish the work in you and He's going to melt into you the things that need to be there if you'll trust Him, if you'll let Him. The author and perfecter of our faith. Fix your eyes on Him who for the joy set before Him, endured the cross. Can I point something out in Greek? Those are the same words. Joy is the same word from James chapter 1 where it says, consider it pure joy. Same word used here. It says that Jesus, for the joy set before Him, endured the cross. And that word endured is the same word from James chapter 1 when it says in verse 2, in verse 3, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. It's the same word, endurance. Same word. So, so we've got an example. We've got a picture of the Messiah, of God Himself, going through difficulty. And He says, you know how Jesus did it? How did He do it? How did He suffer the greatest pain, the greatest loss? How did He do it? 
Well, he had joy and he looked beyond the pain of the moment. And he realized that through this pain, here, look, I'll, I'll read it to you. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, he scorned its shame. He wasn't a masochist. He didn't love pain. He didn't want to go through it. And in fact, you remember in the garden, he said, Father, what? Father, take this cup from me. I don't want to drink this. I don't want to deal with this. He can relate to the way we feel. That stuff we said, I wish this wasn't there. Get this out of my life, God. Jesus said that. Take this cup away from me. He scorned its shame, but then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such, same word, endure. He endured. Jesus endured. He didn't quit. He didn't give up. He kept going through it. Such opposition from sinful man so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This, friends, this is how Jesus suffered and he endured his suffering. He could see beyond the suffering into the sovereign goodness of God. Jesus knew that God would use the worst trial, the worst difficulty the world had ever seen to bring about the greatest good the world would ever know. Jesus believed that. And it allowed him to continue to follow God right through the midst of his difficulty. This reality and the exaltation that would follow brought Jesus the joy he needed to endure. Jesus wasn't a masochist. He dreaded the cross. He pleaded with the Father, take it from me. Maybe you've done the same. But once the Father allowed the trial to become a reality, Jesus knew that the love of God would not let him down. Do you believe that? Listen, we talked to the kids this morning. We said, hey, it's good that you believe that stuff, but you're going to find some kids in school who think that's stupid, and you're going to go through times that are tough, and your faith is going to be tested. And unless you have these roots, you're not going to be able to endure. And the same is true for all of us, right? Say what we may in this room. Say what we may on Sunday morning. There are going to be things in the secret. There are going to be things in the private. There are going to be things out there and even in here. They're going to shake you and test you. They've done it in the past. Maybe it's happening right now. It's going to be, continue to happen in the future. And God is using those things. Not to discourage us. Not to defeat us. Not to deter us. But to develop us. And that's how we can have joy in the midst of our trial. So brothers and sisters, you can find joy in your trial. Because God is in your life and He's doing something great in you. Do you believe that? Yes. I'm telling you, it's good to know what the real issue is. Because for some of us, we're seriously doubting that. And that is a normal response, friends. That's a normal response. When you go through pain, you begin to wonder and you get tested. Does God really love me? Is He really powerful? Is He really here with me? And if He is, then why this? And why this? And why that? And he says, you can trust me. I'm going to do good with this bad. I'm going to bring about something that develops you, even though you feel like it's difficult and you don't want to bear it. And so James goes on to give us some real great encouragement in, chapter, in verse 5. And, and uh, so he basically says, look, if you lack wisdom, here's what you should do. And I love how this comes right in the midst of a trial because maybe you're going through something and you're like, okay, all right, all right, I trust God. Okay, I want to trust him, but I don't know what to do about this. I don't know how to handle it. I don't know how to respond. I don't know how to behave. I mean, I feel at a loss. Have you been there? There are some things that are so difficult, they leave you speechless. Have you ever been there? You feel like if I say anything, it's going to be the wrong thing. <laughs> if I do anything, I'm going to be maybe locked in jail or I'm going to regret it. And so I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle it. And James says, listen, here's what you do. Ask God. 
If you're lacking wisdom, wisdom is knowing how to use knowledge. If, you, if you're lacking knowing what to do, ask God. Who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be what? Given to him. If you ask God, for, this is what the Bible says, if you ask God for wisdom, he's going to give it to you. I love this. I love that. Look, look, if you don't know what to do, God's promise that if you ask him, he'll tell you. You know how many times this has helped me? When I'm facing something I, I do not know, I feel over my head. I feel like I'm going to lose it. I feel like I got nothing here. And then I remember, oh yeah, God promised me that if I lacked wisdom, I could ask him and he would give it to me. And there's some conditions here about how you got to do it. Let's look at what it says. He says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. There again, we see our faith being tested, right? Do I really believe this? He said, believe it. Believe it. God is going to guide you through it. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. It's the image of the shore. Can you imagine the shore being the sound, trust, and faith in Jesus, but the waves keep it pulling you back and slapping you back on the shore and back and forth. And I do believe, but I don't believe, but I do believe, but I don't believe. And nothing in your life is stable because you cannot hang on to the promises of God. And it comes back down into that, that difficult thing is, can I hang on to the promises of God and believe that even though my whole life is going crazy right now, God is going to get me through this. That this is not a dead end. That walking with Him and trusting Him, not on the outside, not on the facade, on the inside, which does change the outside. If I trust Him, He's going to guide me through it. Whatever difficulty you're facing, whatever it is, whatever that tough thing is that you wish wasn't there right now, God knows about it. He's present. And if you hang on to Him through it, He's going to use it for good. That's a crazy thing to say, especially when you start getting specific, right? Like if I asked you, if I took the microphone and said, okay, what was the difficult thing that you wished wasn't there and that you wished wasn't there? And you start to look at these things. It becomes, it becomes really, really powerful when you start thinking, wait, even in that? Even in that, God is going to use that for good? It's so painful. It's so difficult. Yeah, even in that. Even in that, whatever it is, do you believe that? Do you believe that? He says, believe it and ask God, don't be like a wave tossed back and forth. Because if you do, you shouldn't think you would receive anything from the Lord. That man is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. So, so, you know, sometimes we lack practical wisdom for two reasons. You sit in there, you're thinking, okay, I believe God, right? You know, I'm here because I love Jesus. This is why I'm here. This is why I came, preacher. You know, but, 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 but I don't know what to do. I'm not really sure what to do. There's two things that are pointed out here. You know, one is that we don't, we don't have this wisdom to deal with it because we don't ask God. Maybe today, one of the blessings that God is giving you through hearing his word is that you're going to have a new confidence to ask God for wisdom. And you're going to believe that when you do it, he's going to give it to you. He's going to give it to you. He's going to give you the wisdom that you need. God gives generously. He doesn't hold back. He doesn't look at your faults and say, oh, but you didn't do this, but you didn't do this, but you didn't do this. It says, if you ask and you believe, he's going to give it to you. That wisdom to know how to deal with it. And secondly, we lack knowing what to do because we don't really believe that he's going to answer us. Right? How many of us pray like that? You ever pray that prayer? Oh, Lord, please help me with my financial problems. Amen. And then you go right back into sulking and dealing with this stuff. But there's not a real sense that God's going to guide you through it. I love that. I love the fact that God is with me. I mean, that, that's just, you know, I forget about it, don't you? It's kind of, sometimes it kind of goes into another part of my, my mind where I'm not really thinking about it. But when I come back to that place, 
I want to live there. I want to spend time there because when God is involved in my life, when God is present, man, it changes everything. It turns every trial that I'm going through upside down. It turns every issue inside out. And I understand that, you know what, I'm not alone in this. You're not alone. Can I tell you that? You're not alone in this trial. He sees, he knows, he loves you. In verse 12, it says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Blessed is the man who is persevering under trial. Will you persevere under trial? Will you stand the test? Will you realize that in the midst of all this, it's your faith that is being tested? Peter says, these trials, you shouldn't think it's strange that this suffering has come. He says, these sufferings have come so that your faith, which is of more worth than gold, might be tested and proved. And God is working on that faith. It's a powerful thing. Are you willing to persevere and hold on to the end? I'm praying that God would allow you the grace to see your difficulties as divine developers. I was getting ready to come here yesterday and I was cleaning out the car and I came across these receipts. And... uh, I didn't know what they were at first, and I began to look through and see what it was, and it's a bunch of baby clothes, sweaters, socks, jackets, bibs, bottles, bodysuits, I mean just, and then then along with these return receipts, And and I remembered one of the difficult trials that we had gone through and are continuing to go through, and uh, in 2008, uh, we had our, I, I'm six years married. In 2008, we had our first pregnancy. We were so excited. And, uh, and we've always wanted to be parents. Just longed for it. It was just in our, in our soul. Since I was a little kid, I always just wanted to, even a little kid, you know, I wanted to be a dad. And, uh, and, I, and I remember we finally were pregnant. Finally, it was so amazing. And then we lost the baby six, six weeks into it. And then 2009 came. And we got pregnant again. Finally, we were just so ecstatic. You know, it was hard to believe again. A lot of you have been through that. You know what that's like. And, uh, and we lost that one as well. So difficult. Then 2010 came around. Nothing. Waiting, you know, just hoping, longing to be parents, longing to raise a family. Uh, 2011 came along and we said, you know what? We feel like we, it's time for us. We've always wanted to adopt. We feel like, you know what? It's time for us to, uh, to go ahead and start to pursue that. So we... we uh, we got involved, and in, in January of 2011, we got connected to a great organization, and uh, we said, well, this is it. You know, we, we fill out all our paperwork, we did our home study, and we started to go through, and, and we had our first opportunity, and the door closed. And we had our, our second opportunity, and the, the door closed again, and, and a third one, and then a fourth one, and the door closed again. And then, and then we got involved in, in one that was, that was more drawn out. We actually met, sat down and met with, with the birth mother, and we were talking things through and thinking what it would be like, and we were starting to get excited, and that door closed again, thinking, why is this so difficult? Why is this so hard? I've never heard of, of, of somebody you know, having to go through time after time after time after time, even with adoption. So... So then, in the middle of the year, we had a, a, really, a really close uh, connection, and it was long and drawn out. For two months, we were meeting with, with our agency, with the birth mother. And the very last day, we went out with our, our, our mother, my mother-in-law, and we bought everything. I mean, we just bought everything. We were holding out. They said, well, hold out until the end because, you know, something, anything could happen. 
So we did, but now it was the next day we were going to go pick up this baby. I held her in my arms on my birthday, uh, and, it, and we kissed her, and we loved her, and we thought, this is finally it. This is finally going to happen, and it was, it was the day before, so we bought all this stuff, and there's a, no, a whole other baby place we went to, and, uh, and then the door, God closed that door. He closed it like a steel shut iron door closed. No. And I remember going into this, these stores. My wife was... Um, it was just too hard for her to go back in there with all that stuff. You know, can you imagine? So I went in by myself, and I remember walking into Babies R Us, and, uh, and I saw all the pictures of the beautiful babies on the walls, you know, just smiling, happy. And I thought to myself, wow, people come here. This is a place of rejoicing. This is a place of, of dreams being fulfilled. This is a place of, of finally, you know, that they're, they're, they're having their family, and people are celebrating, and they're celebrating other people's babies. But for me... I got this big load of baby clothes, and I'm standing there at the checkout line. I remember, I remember as he was, the guy was scanning them back in one after another. My, my eyes filled up with tears, and I thought, I knew that we were in a time that was going to test our faith. Could we still hang on and trust the, that God was good, that God was going to use even this painful time in our life to bring about good? We still are not parents to this day. Uh, we're still in that journey. We're still in that progress process. And I'll tell you, it's tough. I'm sharing this with you because I know what I've said is very difficult. I know what I've said can come across really trite, like you don't know. I've lost a family member. I've been diagnosed with cancer. I, we lost our house. Don't stand up there and tell me that God's going to use this for good. So I wanted to share with you something from my life that I'm going through. Maybe it's not something, maybe you're going through something much more difficult. But you know what? We're in it too. All of us, every believer is going to face times when we're tested to say, is God still good? Does He love us? Can we keep following after Him? Can we trust that He'll use this tragedy, this travesty, this devastating time, this difficulty, this discouragement to develop us? And is He going to be there with us in the midst? And I want to tell you, He's been there for us. He stood by our side. He's been our king. He's been our guide. And I know that he's been by your side too. And I want to tell you, those of you who have been hanging on and enduring, God is so proud of you. It's exactly what he wants. He's developing you. And as Mike comes up, he's going to lead, they're going to, the team is going to lead us in this song again, a perfect fitting song. I want you to know that, you know what? Sometimes we're not going to see the fulfillment of what God's doing on this side of eternity. But I want to read you something. It comes from Revelation chapter 21. This is how it ends, friends. This is where we're going. Listen to this. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them, and they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them, and He will be their God. He will, listen, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. There will be no more mourning. There will be no more crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and they are true. Johnny Erickson Tata is... You're probably all familiar with her. She's a, she was an Olympic swimmer who broke her neck and became paralyzed from the neck down. And she's a woman who's carried on through her difficulties with great 
joy and with, with great strength. And she's been a huge inspiration. And she was asked by a pastor, how do you have so much courage to live this life after all that you've been through, after your dreams have been shattered, after your life has been changed, how can you continue to live for God like this and have such joy? And she said, this is my only life to be courageous. Because you know what? When this is over, I'm going to sit down with Jesus. Everything's going to be made new. This is my only chance to be courageous, to live all out for God. Because after this, He's going to make everything right. And maybe you've been judging life kind of like a baseball game in the seventh inning. You say, ah, oh, it's all over. Look at God's not good. We're losing. All these bad things have been happening. But I want to tell you, friends, it's not over. It's not over. He will right every wrong. He will bring justice where there is none. He will deal with every discrepancy of sin. And He will make all things new. I want to invite you to stand with us. Sing this song. Pray this prayer. And deal with some of these things. Maybe you need to ask God today for the wisdom. Because you are dealing with, you say, I want, God, I want you to give me the strength to deal with this. And if you want to pray with us, Pastor Lucas, myself, we're going to be up here at the front. Come, come up. Let's, let us pray over you. Let us pray that, let's join with you in that trial. You can come up whenever during this song. We're going to be up here praying. If you want to just get on your knees, if you want to stand there and lift your hands to heaven, if you want to stand there in silence and nobody knows what's going on, but in your heart, you're saying, God, I'm not going to quit on you. I'm not going to turn away from you. I'm trusting that you're going to use this difficulty and any difficulty in my life to bring about good. And I thank you for being in my life. Wherever you're at today, I pray that you would make some kind of transition with God, whether it's a refreshing reminder or whether it's a brand new day for you where you're going to turn the corner. That's my prayer for you. Let's, let's pray this. Fellowship Church of Itasca, Illinois.